0: Hi everyone, my name is Christopher Vonheim, and you're listening to the Bin Podcast, simply the podcast for those who want to learn from the very best in business, tech, and entrepreneurship. Let's start the show. Christian Sørensen is the CEO of Avance Gas. Prior to joining Avance, Christian was the CEO of the Oslo-based shipbroker Fernlease. In this episode, we discuss why Christian started to pursue a career in shipping, why he decided to join Avance Gas how he sees the market opportunity going forward, and his best advice for people that want to have an exciting career in shipping. Let's start the episode. All opinions expressed by Christophe Vonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Bin. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christophe Vonheim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back, everyone. Super excited to have Christian joining the podcast. And Christian, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks for inviting me and, uh, and uh, I'm excited to be, uh, be with you today.
0: Me as well. So let's just get right into it. So how early did you get interested in shipping in your upbringing? Was it a specific moment or was it an interest that kept growing on you?
1: A uh, good question. I am... Um... Uh, you know, I, I was uh, born and raised in Oslo, and uh, I um, I grew up in a neighborhood where uh, quite a few people actually worked in the shipping industry. As yes? uh, you know, it could be shipbrokers, could be on the owner side, could be uh, on the financial side with banks and so on. Uh, and I also had a grandfather who in the in the very old days was a captain uh and, and and sailed in the in the you know in the merchant fleet like for many norwegian families at the time so i'd say that the shipping industry uh hasn't been you know a total stranger uh, to me when i when i grew up um and i think you know uh shipping is an industry uh with ma- many characters and you know lots of stories and i think i got very fascinated by the um uh, by all the stories I was uh, was told by uh, by uh, you know typically fathers of friends and uh, and family and so on and uh, I think um, the combination with the maritime link and the international aspect uh, with all the, you know these fun stories um, uh, made me quite fascinated by the industry already as a teenager um, and um, so when I know when I graduated from high school I I had already developed a strong interest for the shipping industry um, and the maritime world in general and I I, um, decided to to apply for a junior naval academy uh, which at that time was a two-year service in the royal Norwegian navy Um, and you know we had one year as a classroom uh, student and I followed up by one year sailing along the, the weeks and coast, which was a great experience in many ways. I mean, I love that uh, lifestyle, and also you you get a very very um, good exposure uh, as um, as a young officer uh, in terms of leadership and how you how you uh, you know you, you you work with people uh, on board the vessel and you have responsibilities and so on. So I think that was a that was a great way for me to to really um, uh, cement my interest for for shipping and the and the maritime uh, industry as a, as a whole.
0: Talk a bit about that, Christian, more because obviously when you have sailed, etc., you know the practical side. How important do you think it is when you're now running a company to really understand how it is to be outside in the waters?
1: Yeah, I think you no, know, it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's necessary, but it helps. And, and I would say that. Uh, one, one, uh, one big challenge for shipping companies today is, uh, which is due to the to the COVID uh, pandemic, is is the crew change uh, situation, which is, uh, in in for, for many uh, crew members, is a you know is, a, is is a mental stress stress factor, which is definitely. Um, which is definitely something we 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 work very really hard with, and I can really feel the, you know, after three weeks, uh, I remember that's probably the longest I was uh, sailing without uh, getting on shore. Uh, I remember I was quite uh, kind of exhausted, um, and these guys, you know, they have typically uh, been overdue for many months already because we haven't been able to secure. Um, uh, you know, a safe uh, disembarkment of the crew and crew change. So they have been been uh, on board ships for many months longer than expected. And I, I really, you know, I can I can identify myself with that feeling. So um,
0: definitely. So after this experience, I think you after a while ended up in Singapore. Is that correct? What led you?
1: Yeah, you know, I what happened after the. Um, uh, when I graduated from, from, from the Navy after these two years, I went on to, um, to business school in, in Bergen, Norwegian School of Economics. Uh, and as, as mentioned, I had uh, at that time developed a very strong interest and passion for the shipping industry. So when I, when I started uh, as a student in, in Bergen, I, I also got engaged in the um, students' shipping forum. Uh, we, we arranged field trips to shipping companies we had various seminars uh, and so on and we also uh, got access to to summer jobs through that uh, engagement in the student association uh, so I managed to elbow myself into a summer job uh, with the VLmson lines at the time um, and uh, when I had you know since I finally had some sort of... Uh, real uh, job experience uh, as as a summer intern suddenly other doors open to to other summer jobs you know the following uh, years as a uh, as a student so i i i um, uh, managed to to get um, a foot in the door in the shipwrecking company named lawrence nance demoko uh, where I started at the tanker desk as a duty dog uh, working from 5 to 11 in the evening, uh, which is in COB in New York, where I sat next to a senior broker at the time. It was a great way to pick up everything and how you broker deals and how you treat confidential information and how you keep, keep track of all the information you gather from the market and so on. So I, so I, I kind of managed to, to slowly build um a career in the shipbroking industry um uh, while at the same time uh finishing my 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 uh, my time at the at the business school
0: how is it to work from five to eleven
1: over time ah uh, well it was for two and a half to three months i can't remember exactly no it was uh I remember I gained uh, probably uh, five to seven kilos uh, that uh, over that summer, so it was uh, it was a bit of a. Uh you know, it was important. It was an important step for me, but I guess it's uh, it wasn't that good for my health. It was a very social time as well. So, uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but I guess, I guess it helps that you are really interested in the subject in the field when you're working so much. I mean, you, you sort of have to be interested in order to to survive those hours and and the pressure, right? <laughs>
1: Definitely. And I think, you know, shipping, uh, it's often said that it's, it's, um, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. And, and I would say that if you, if you are to succeed in the shipping industry, you really have to, uh, you have to be, uh, ready and able to, to work, you know, at, uh, at any time, basically, because it's an international industry and you have, uh, you know, the ships are sailing, uh, 24 hours a day. Uh, so it's, and it's always, uh, opportunities and problems coming up you know every week and every day so so you definitely have to be yeah uh, beyond the alert regardless of what time it is
0: definitely so so you spent before joining advanced gas uh five years at Fernleys. uh what do you think were the biggest lessons you learned there
1: you know i think the biggest lesson uh was um to to i think it's imp- i'm a strong believer in in, in building competent and complementary teams Um, because i think the world is is um, it's become much more complex over the last uh, 10 15 20 years so what what you could do maybe as a single person back 20 years ago you have to have a team today to to actually be able to 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 achieve the same results um and um but what we did with um, with Fernley's at the time was to, to change the, the culture and the and the way we organized ourselves so that we, we built very strong uh, global teams across the various offices. So so instead of having uh, the traditional turf mentality, you know, where people are sitting uh, in their separate offices and uh, and um, and uh, working the market. With their own, you know, uh, uh, sheltered uh, view, it's um, we, we kind of open up and establish global desks, and we we turned around and and uh, renewed the uh, uh, the teams. Uh, so we managed to to build complementary team which were more much more integrated than what we what, what what they had traditionally. And I think we could see the results relatively quickly. And uh, I think regardless of if you're a broker or if you are working in the uh, on the owner side which i'm doing now or any other industry for that matter i think it's uh it's of, of paramount importance to actually build uh, teams which have high competence uh which show in the, uh, so you can you, you can you can encourage innovation and they are agile and, and you know you have a, a speed in the decision making process which is important to actually, uh, survive in a you know, very fast changing world.
0: Definitely. So, so then you obviously were approached by Avance and started working there, but how do you evaluate those career shifts? What, what made you decide that you felt it was the right move to go over to Avance Gas? Is that a gut feeling decision or is it more structured decisions? So how does that look like?
1: You know, I, I, I worked in the, sh- in the LPG shipping industry since, uh, I graduated basically, uh, I mentioned instance the moko I also had um, 11 years in LPG uh, ship broker specialist in Van and here in Oslo um, and and I also worked in Singapore as as you mentioned briefly uh, for three and a half years uh, at that time so so I I have been very close to the LPG shipping markets for many years and um, Of course, in in Furnace, I I also had the uh, responsibility for for other uh, activities in in the group uh, comprising tankers and uh, LNG and uh, dry cargo and and, and so on. But but my my core competence area has has always been LPG. And I've followed Avance Gas since its inception back in 2007. Uh, I work closely with them as a broker. Uh, done a lot of business uh, with Avonscale as a broker. So I, I, you know, I know the company well for many, many years. Um, and um, uh, when the approach came um, from from sea um, tankers, that you know we, we have we have a void space to fill here. Um, I, I uh, told them that you know I, I think I have some ideas on how we can structure this business to 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 rig it for the future in, in a in a better way than what it is today. We have to to make a few decisions on new buildings and maybe raise some capital in the in the market and so on. But I think it's um, I, I told them uh, in my view it's an unpolished jewel in the in the Sea uh, Tankers Group um and i think they uh, they bought into that uh, that vision and uh, and i uh, which i'm very grateful about and and uh, so for me it's kind of i'm going back to my home turf in a way uh since i have the long history from the lpg industry totally
0: it makes sense before we go into that strategy and everything you guys are doing now for those people not that um, knowledgeable about lpg can you talk a bit about the market because it's a very versatile energy source and i mean it's is, is that it has a broad space where it's used so how do you like to find the lpg market
1: yeah i think you're right and and, and i also think it's kind of undercommunicated uh, in many ways compared to many other uh, commodity sectors you know it's uh lpg is uh, like i said very versatile commodity uh, which has shown a great Growth over the last uh, ten years—it's uh, you know the volumes globally have more or less doubled over the last ten years. Very much followed by the shale gas evolution in the states, um, but but um, thanks to its um, uh, to, to the nature of the gas, uh, you, you don't have to build uh, up you know extensive infrastructure onshore. You can literally distribute the gas and store the gas in designated tanks and cylinders like you have in your barbecue, uh, which makes it very, very easy to to, um, distribute in less developed part of the world or rural parts of the more developed world. And and, um, So you can see the use of the gas is increasing rapidly in parts of, of Southeast Asia where you have Big populous uh, countries like India, Bangladesh, and uh, Sri Lanka, and these places, uh, where it replaces uh, coal, wood, um, uh, kerosene, which is heavy polluters, indoor polluters when they when they cook and and and, and uh, also for heating. So um, it's LPG in 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 that segment is definitely um, uh, a green um it is it, you know underpinning a green transition for the for the hundreds of millions of people move, moving from burning coal wood kerosene to lpg and then you have another big market uh, for lpg which is the pet cam sector um and the the uh, there's a great um demand coming from uh, from especially from China and, and Northeast Asia, where they have built new capacity on the on the head cam side, where they produce propylene from from uh, from propane, especially.
0: Got gotcha. you. So, so definitely, Christian. When you started, you said you, you you saw a strategy. You presented that to the board, and you had a clear vision of where to take the company. So now you've been there a while. Is it did you get straight into it, or is it the first months about getting to know the organizations, etc.? How do you structure the, those first months as a new CEO of a company?
1: Uh, well, you know, I, I had three months uh, gardening leave from Fernleys, and and um, uh, obviously, I at least I. I tried to to spend the, the months uh, well, and in terms of, of preparing myself and get to know the the uh, my colleagues and the history of the you know decisions which have been done prior to my um, entry to the company, um, and and also uh, discussed with with the board members at the time uh, to to get to know them a little bit better, and, and I think it's. Uh, important when you are in between jobs to to prepare yourself as as good as you can because it's uh, you know when you start up you uh, you are being thrown straight into the lion's cage you know so it's uh, uh it's definitely important to to prepare as as much as you can um for for the tasks that you will you know be be faced with immediately when you come come into the, the position and Rightly so, you know. Uh, the first day, uh, we, we we decided to to um, to tap into the public capital market with a private placement, uh, and uh, you know, it, it was three days. Uh, my on my third day, we had raised sixty-five million dollars in the, through this private placement. So it was a it was a pretty sharp, you know. Uh, it was like this airplane, you know, and you can see on the on the landing strip when they have the landing gear out and the, and the wheels are standing still to the very split second. They hit, hit the ground and then it's full speed up to 250 kilometers an hour. I felt a little bit like that way.
0: <laughs> oh, I got you. So basically you've you done some financing. You're going to build a lot of new ships. How do you, what's the best way? We talked a bit about the market, which is growing and how does the calculation look like when you're trying to find the optimal fleet
1: size? Yeah, that's a very good question, because um, um, I've been asked this question, uh, you know, quite a few times. And I think you have to regard um, the market, you know, the underlying market as a whole. Uh, and and is, it, is it a commodity market which is growing? Uh, and can we expect, you know, a further growth going uh, looking five years ahead? Uh, and then you look obviously also at the current fleet and the, how the competitors have positioned themselves and how you can can um, uh, try to, to to differentiate yourself and have have uh, add value in a different way compared to your competitors. And another thing in in the LPG and the VLGC segment especially is that you have. Very um it is a trade from the US Gulf to the Far East, which is a backbone of the of the VLDC trade today. And this is very long-haul trades, you know, it's a 90 days round voyage if you go from from US Gulf via South Africa to the far east. And um, to since you have the long ballast legs back, you need to have a certain size to Actually, uh, capitalize on the on the on the market upturns, so you don't have all your ships in ballast when you when the market is is spiking, uh, and and also to to have um, uh, a more optimal commercial operation in terms of of, um, of some vessels on time charters, some vessels on in the spot market, and to balance the risk in a better way. So I would say that from a commercial point of view. Uh, I think you you probably need somewhere between twenty to twenty five ships to, to have uh, an optimal commercial operation. Uh, with our six new buildings, we are counting nineteen ships, uh, so we are uh, probably one notch below what we what we should have. Uh, but but um, uh, now the asset prices have increased quite a lot recently, and uh, uh, we will probably sit on the fence for uh, for a little while and, and see how things develop before we um, uh, decide to do to to make another move. But but that lies probably some some time ahead of us, and I think main f- focus for us is to 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 do a proper and a good job on the commercial side to generate as, as much cash as we can in the current market and, and not and not stretch our financial liabilities too much by, by adding suddenly another set of new buildings or, or buying some resales in the market because the prices have increased quite a lot since we contracted our ships.
0: How does it look then on the technology side because I mean innovation happens all the time in shipping as well and what are some of the greatest technology innovation you can do with the new ships is it to something to do with the fuel or is it something to is it is it a new technology to be exposed
1: yeah you know um in the uh vlgc segment uh, compared to for instance tankers and dry cargo where you, where you still you know have uncertainty around the propulsion technology um, the, the dual fuel technology is, is kind of uh, established as, as the new market standard in the BLGC uh, sector. Uh, and and um, so the LPG dual fuel engine has, has uh, uh, over the last, I would say two years become the industry standard uh, for new buildings. So there is a great uh, green transition from the conventional uh propulsion uh, technology to a um, uh, hybrid solution with with LPG and compliant fuel and and I think you know the the um, uh, uh, interesting part is obviously that you you will see um, a global fleet which is shifting very quickly towards a greener and more environmentally friendly, um, propulsion uh, solution um, compared to let's say tankers and dry cargo where you're still sticking to the conventional uh, solutions that we had for many years. So, so I think the uh, the green shift is for real uh, thanks to the technology which has been made available for the VLDCs. disease. Uh, and in the next phase there is at least an opportunity uh, which may come from, from, from ammonia, which is an which is um, you know a very dense hydrogen carrier. Uh, it's a poisonous gas, so there's a lot of aspects around the, the nature of the gas which creates uh, some hurdles which will which will be passed on uh, or have to pass them, uh, on on the safety side. Uh, on the, um, and also on the production of ammonia, which is today a very CO2 intensive uh, production. You have to have a change towards green and blue ammonia to, to really make that shift and make it available for the, for the uh, maritime industry. But um, I, I would say that um, ammonia has been carried as, uh, and shipped as cargo uh, on LPG carriers for for many years. Uh, so, if there is one segment where ammonia actually could fit in quite well as a, as a future C, uh, zero CO two uh, emission fuel, it could be on the disease, But this 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 definitely lies quite a few years ahead of us.
0: Very very interesting. I wonder, like when you run a shipping company, obviously it's it's volatile markets. It's very dynamic. Um... How much destiny control do you feel you have when you're working in shipping compared to maybe other industries because it seems like there's a very dynamic market in shipping constantly things are going on and you have to be on 24/7 how does that destiny control feel like when you're running a company like this
1: Yeah well we we uh, you get used to it I would say but but it's definitely you know uh, the the uncertainty is also what 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 uh, I find very um, it's an attraction. I think if if you work in the shipping industry over many years, you 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 get used to to be prepared for the you know what's actually coming around the corner is uh, it's uh, you you can't you can't say so it's uh, it's uh, but it's, you know it's it's not an industry for the faint-hearted. I used to say because you you have great volatility and there are lots of. Uh, parameters uh, you can never you know put into a equation you know it's uh, so you, you really need to, to again coming back to, to when you build teams you have to have competent team which are able which are agile enough to, to react uh, when you have shocks in, in various ways so that you can reposition yourself and, and make decisions uh, qualified posi- decisions. Uh, so you can, you can, you can turn around quickly. So I think, you know, to be light, you know, light-footed and, and, uh, and have, uh, um, uh, agile, uh, decision-making processes is extremely important.
0: But, but also over time, I guess you develop more pattern recognition. So, you know, that maybe you've seen some of these situations before and you know, they will turn back, etc. So maybe over time you get that also that confidence and being able to see those patterns coming up again.
1: Sure, but you know how how do you say in English? Um, History never repeats, but it rhymes, isn't it? So it's uh, so you you're right in many ways, but it's always a slight difference from what you what you um, experienced in the last downturn or in the last upturn. So so, uh, but but I think in uh, it's again very important to have a solid team around you to to. To, um, to discuss and also have a proper you know, and competent board with, where you can make these uh, decisions but you need to, to take uh, and make tough decisions on a short notice.
0: We have talked a bit about how you like to build teams and I know there are many people that are listening right now that would love a career in shipping. What are some of the qualities you look for when you're hiring today? And has that changed over the years or is it the same type of qualities you look for when you're hiring new people in shipping?
1: well in the good old days you know shipping was uh, was an industry where you didn't really need much of an academic background but i i would say over the last 20 25 at least 20 years it's changed so so uh, it's not a must have but it's definitely uh, you know to have a, a good proper education always helps regardless of industry and 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 that is also um uh, the case for for the shipping industry now I think you know to to be if you want to work in shipping you have to have um, an interest for the international uh, part of it because it's it's a truly international um, international world you are a part of and it's it's um, uh, important to be able to uh, understand uh, that you're just a brick in the wall you know in the, in the, in the great um, global uh, trade uh, and and to 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 understand and try to to have the helicopter view you know that's that's important and uh, and i think also to have a commercial uh, sense is is very very important shipping is a you know is a is a very competitive and com, com, you know commercialized industry so i think uh, to 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 have um, commercial sense is, um, is definitely helping to to understand the dynamics of, uh, of the shipping industry and uh, to to understand the um, uh, and, and be prepared for the upturns and downturns in the markets. And then I would say, lately, it's also been more important to have a good understanding of what's going on on the technological side of things. Uh, like we talked about earlier, uh, there are there are uh, you know rapid developments going on on the technological side. So I think probably more uh, than it was at least um, uh, maybe 10 years ago and and 15 years ago where where the technology was more uh, repeat of itself. You you, you have to keep a very close eye on the regulations and what sort of technology will will actually enable uh, yourself to, to be better positioned for the future and um and this is uh i would say a new aspect which wasn't that dominant uh 5 to 10 years ago
0: makes makes sense i mean obviously, we've been in in a period with, with covid have you changed your mind about anything during this time maybe regarding remote work or other subjects that this like covid situations have, have made you change your mind about
1: yeah that's uh, uh we had this discussion in the office the other day and and i think it's on the positive side, you know, it's remarkable how basically office workers all over the world have uh, overnight adapted very quickly to, to new technology being Zoom or Teams or, you know, working on the laptops from home. And I think it's, it's actually very encouraging to see how, um, uh, how well this shift happened uh, uh, and, and how well the new technology was absorbed. And implemented. Uh, usually, you know, when you when you introduce new software and uh, you know uh, IT systems in the office, it's uh, it's a nightmare because people don't want to change. But when you have to change, you know people are suddenly quickly back in the saddle again and uh, and uh, ready for uh, for work. So so uh, that's actually the very encouraging part of it. But I would say um, uh, if if you look. Um, for, for, for us as a shipping company, um, obviously the, um, coming back to the, the, the challenges we see uh, on changing the crew and, and keeping maintaining this you know the safety level for our crew, that's definitely been um, uh, you know a sharp learning curve for us in many ways that we, we have to to make sure that we have uh, we are prepared to, to handle, new situations for our crew and, and to have uh, uh, an improved uh, always improved focus on the esg on the back of that so so i would say that we, we definitely have learned a lot from this pandemic as well um uh, to to be prepared for you know handling crisis in a different way so, um, so, um, so, good things, and also, you know, you learn def- definitely on how you can can improve your operations and and uh, and focus on the ESG side of things in, in a better way when you have this uh, this crisis uh, coming up.
0: But uh, you talked a bit about that you like the teams to be agile and also diverse. Do you feel like that's easier when they are together physically, or have you seen that it also works when people are remote?
1: Well, um, I would say that uh, it's definitely uh, better when you sit physically together around a uh, desk or you're able to meet up. Um, uh, but, but again, it doesn't have to be every day, you know, that's, uh, that's the, uh, probably the way the world has changed a little bit. But I believe that everyone is, is also missing the, the human contact and, and, you know, you bump into a colleague over the coffee machine and you, you can have an informal chat about this and the other and suddenly there is a bright idea coming up, you know, the, the, I think the, the productivity may be as good as before, but the creativity has definitely uh, been challenged when you, when you sit on your, uh, in your own house, you know, for many weeks and months, you know, you, you, you're not being stimulated in the same way as you do when you are in the office, on the creative side
0: makes sense we have some personal questions before we wrap up christian the first one is if you weren't working in shipping what other industry would you like to try to work in
1: oh good that's a good question i think as i told uh, told you initially i have I had a very strong interest for uh, for shipping at a young age but it could be that i uh would have ended up in some sort of banking industry instead since i went to business school so that's probably where I would have ended up if I was, if I was not uh, as dedicated to, to the shipping history as, uh, as I was uh, from a young age.
0: And if we're talking banking, do you think like on the investment side, structuring deals, et cetera, maybe?
1: Yeah, probably. Got gotcha. you.
0: <laughs> uh, next one, favorite books you ever read and then you, then you can recommend to the audience. Do you have any favorite ones?
1: yeah i think you know in, in general i tend to find biographies very interesting and uh, and also you know encouraging to read and uh, i don't read that much novels i must say but but i'm i must say uh, if i if i'm to mention one novel i was very fascinated i remember when i when i read the um, the house of the spirits by Isabel Allende back in the, this is back 20 25 years ago which was a striking epos, uh, as i remember it but, but if there is one book which I really like, you know, um, I would say it's a book by Ian Morris named Why the, w- Why, um, Why the West Rules for Now, which is um, kind of a controversial but also new um, view on how, you know, the big civilizations in Asia as well as in the West have uh, not competed, but they have um, um, you know they have um, overtaken each other over time uh, due to various reasons. Like it could be religion, it could be science, it could be the geography, it could be population growth. So I think uh, why the West rules for now uh, is is a very interesting um, um, piece in terms of of, of uh, understanding in a different way why um we are our world is looking as it is today and why it may change going forward as well
0: that's great recommendations just a final question christian what are the biggest milestones ahead for yourself and avance gas is there anything that you we can pin down
1: uh well um you know we have 13 vessels on the water and six on orders so we have already now uh, in a short time, close to 50% cap- capacity increase, which we're happy with for time being. Uh, so I think from, from, for, for, the, um, for us, it's important to do a proper and good job commercially to fix out the ships in a, in a, in a good way and, uh, and to generate cash in a in good market so we can return uh, uh, dividends and value to our, to our shareholders. That's uh, the most important right now. And then we're we gonna lay some plans on how to um, to, uh, to make the next move uh, for, for the company. Uh, so I think, um, but that's a little bit further out on the curve as it looks now.
0: Perfect, let's have a, another round then maybe. But that was a perfect ending, Christian. Thank you so much for joining. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me. Hi everyone, Christopher here again just a few things before you leave the show. If you like this episode, it would be great if you could give it a review and also share it with your professional network. If you want to get in touch with me, Twitter is the place. Just go to at Chris Woonheim. You can also find this information in the show notes. Hope to see you tune in to the next episode and take care.